0: Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. This is episode 373, and they're flying. We've got a great guest. I say that every week, but we have. We've been having a bit of a chat before we've gone live, folks, and I think it's going to be, and it's Liston Witherall, and he basically is a bit of a sales guru. Yes, folks. Yes, that horrible word, sales. Um, Liston, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and
1: viewers? Sure, yeah. So my name is Liston Witherell, and uh, specifically what I do is I help independent consultants and small consulting firms improve their sales and business development programs. Uh, So yes, I am very deep into the human mind, how people make decisions, and why we do the things that we do. And uh, hopefully I can apply that to everybody (laughs) listening and watching this.
0: Yes, folks, you might delude yourselves that if you're a WordPress consultant or somebody building a membership site, especially a higher ticket um, service product, whatever it is, that you're just going to sell it online. I think you're deluding yourself a little bit there and we're going to quash that, but we're also going to give some great advice. Um, Cindy, my great co-host, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers?
2: Yes. Hi, everyone. Cindy Nicholson from thecoursewhisperer.com. dot com. Excited to have Liston on the podcast today because I think sales is is something that we all have to talk more about.
0: It certainly is. Um, before we go into the main part of this great conversation, I want to quickly mention one of our great sponsors, and that's Kinston, Kinston Hosting. Um, we host the WP Tonic website on Kinston, uh, Kinsta, and it's just been a great experience. They uh, stayed with us in 2019. They're going to be our major sponsor throughout this year. They were last year as well. And what do you get? Why should you care? Well, for your clients, for yourself, if you've got a membership site, e-commerce, and you're looking for really quality WordPress hosting with great support, you found your you found your perfect host, Kinster. They use Google Cloud as their framework, but what you get is a superb interface, um, staging site, uh, one-click backup, but you also get 24/7 superb support from people that really know about WordPress and hosting. Um, they've got a ticketing system. You normally get answer almost in minutes, and it's the right answer from somebody that's knowledgeable. So if that's interesting for you, your clients go to Kinster.com. Right. So, listen. Um, how do we start this conversation? Where do you think people go wrong in general around their views around sales, basically?
1: Yeah, sure. So let's start from kind of the top. So we're talking to people who run membership sites, right? So for those people who are selling higher ticket items, I'd say around the $1,000 price point or above, um, you're probably going to have to be involved in some sort of sales conversation. Now, you could call that a strategy call, you can call it a consultation, you could call it a let's get to know each other and be friends, whatever you want to call it, but you're hoping someone buys something from you, which means you have to sell it to them. So what I want to do is give some context around what can happen in those situations um, where a lot of people trip up, I think is probably a question on some people's minds. And um, also, maybe it's best if we just start off with what is sales? Because this, it's interesting. I didn't think when I started doing sales training and consulting that I would have to cover that question. But it's so core and fundamental to people's feelings about it. So Dan Pink wrote this book called To Sell as Human. And he did this word cloud. He went out and asked people, You know, what do you think about when you think about sales? And in the word cloud, there's things like, you know, scummy, used cars, you know, these kinds of things. And if you do an autocomplete search on Google, you'll see the same thing. If you say, why are salesmen so? And then it's like annoying, horrible, right? (laughs) Like these are the kinds of things that we think about sales. And as I think about that, I I think what the reason for that is a lot of people think of sales as a situation where I'm going to show up and do tricky things to the other person and sort of convince them to do something they don't want to do, right? Like, I don't know about the two of you, but um, there has been a major disruption in telemarketing in the United States, and now my phone rings 10 to 15 times a day with unsolicited calls. And that's kind of the feeling that is evoked when we think about sales, I think, is like, Someone shows up, I don't want to talk to the salesperson, but they won't go away and they're trying to sell me something I don't want. Okay, why does that not apply to what you're doing as a membership site? Typically, most people will be getting in touch with you in order to sort of vet out, do I trust this person? Is this something that applies to me? That's one of the most common questions is like, will this work for me? That's what most people will want to know. And so in that scenario you're a guide right you're you're not there to necessarily quote sell them anything meaning convince or manipulate them or at least i i would never advise you to do that but what you can do is guide them to a decision that will help them improve their business right or their lives depending on what your membership is and so that starting from that place i think you know, all of my advice descends from that. I say serve, don't sell. So rather than being so concerned about getting the sale ourselves, what I want you to start thinking about is how can I help this person? How can I serve them on in a one-to-one interaction so that at the end, they can make an informed decision about whether or not this membership or whatever it is that you're selling is for them?
0: I think that's so great. Can I give you... I've got a quick question before I throw it over to
1: Cindy. This is your show, man. Ask me anything you want. <laughs>
0: I love you. <laughs> uh, um, so um, I've been, I approached two companies. Um, one was um, selling um, a course and consultation around using LinkedIn as a sales um, a lead generation system. Yep. And, um, I had a fantastic um, funnel absolutely um, top quality funnel with a, a webinar video and then you could book a, a, a to have a consultation to see if you were a good fit for the course you know the language was superb so i went on we had our zoom um and he gave me the spill, and um, they had pre-identified me for a form that I, I was a suitable um, candidate for this call. And it was really great. And then it got to the end, the price. And the price was 11000 mm-hmm. But if I signed up right then, it would be 9000 And And sure. as he, soon as he said that, he lost all credibility with me. You know... Um, I don't think that, I understand you want to get the sell, and you got your quota and everything else, but when you do that at the end, you know, you sign up now, you're going to get a 3000 discount. I think right. you lose all credibility. What do you think?
1: So I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, I think that some people feel that they have to do that in order to sell their product. So one thing we know for sure, right, is psychologically, urgency is a powerful force to get people to make a decision and it's not necessarily to get them to say yes. It's to get them to say yes or no, but just not maybe, which is sort of the bane of all sales, right? Just tell me if the answer is no, I'd much rather know it now. You know, I don't want to follow up with you for months. Right. Um, What I think is that when someone says it's 11,000, you're immediately saying, okay, this is a premium price thing. This, and and a lot of us use a heuristic, like a, a rule of thumb: high price equals quality. And then when he says, "But if you buy it now, it's nine thousand dollars," that's what the sham wow guy says on the infomercial, right? But wait, there's more. If you order now, you get three, right? And so he's completely undercut his premium position by doing that. That's my belief. I, I mean, I know people who do this on a regular basis. I also think that if the product is good and there's great demand for it, you don't need to resort to those kinds of tricks. Um, And actually, it's been done to me too. And immediately, I just know that I would never buy from someone like that. So it can work. Personally, I think it's a really crappy way to project yourself into the world. And if you're trying to build a long-term brand and not just like, you know grow as fast as possible and make a million dollars and then who cares what the collateral damage is if you have the long term in mind i would never ever ever recommend that you do that and personally the on top of all of that i wouldn't be able to sleep at night if that was the way i was selling so those are yeah. my thoughts
0: i think offering a payment you know if if it is difficult offering uh, a discount, you know, you know, offering a payment, but you uh, slightly higher, but a payment scheme that spreads right. it over or, you know, or have a scheme for people, you know, that are good, you know, whatever how you word it, I, I think there's better ways of approach that. I agree with you. Cindy, you got a question?
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree 100% as well. It's funny how everybody everybody has their own, you know, vision that they look at sales from. And, and I actually would like to talk a little bit more about that, uh, Listen in terms of like how, so people, I hear it all the time in the entrepreneurial world that, you know, I'd love to do what, I love to do what I do. I just don't like the sales aspect. So, right. you know, if there is this perception that, you know, sales is icky and, and everything, how, like, what advice do you give to people to overcome that block um, that, that keeps holding them back from sales?
1: Well, I think starting from the position of what is the point of sales um, is probably the most freeing part of it, right? So if you're providing some sort of service along with your membership, or the, the idea of the membership is to provide a service or a transformation. So if I go into those calls with that in mind, that should change my entire approach to it, right? I'm trying to help people. Now, of course, this can be abused just like any other sort of mindset um there There's this movie called "The Queen of Versailles," and it's about essentially this guy who owned timeshares, loses everything, and his wife was sort of you know a quote gold digger she like she liked the money and the opulent stuff and in one scene, they're telling their sales team, "We're saving lives by giving people vacations because vacations improve your health and therefore you're less likely to die from a heart attack. So you're saving lives. I'm not going to that level. What I am saying is you probably have positive and authentic motivations to do your business in the first place. The sale is the lifeblood of your business. You don't get money in the bank unless people are buying stuff from you, right? And if people are buying stuff from you, you have more chances to actually help them. And so that's where I would approach it. And so if you're authentic in your intention and you think about what the ultimate goal is, which is to help someone else, that should be very freeing. The second thing that a lot of people, I think, get stuck on is talking about money, right? When you're a kid, what do your parents tell you? It's not polite to talk about money. It's not polite to talk about politics or religion. Those are off the table, right? And we grow up with that, at least Americans, grow up with this script in our head that it's not polite to talk about money. And yet, business, (laughs) money is such an unavoidable aspect of what we're doing. And so I think a lot of people freeze up in that part of the conversation too, right? And so, you know, maybe, Jonathan, your question about the $11,000 to $9,000 discount, maybe they just lack confidence in the value of their product, which immediately is apparent to the listener, right? So if you're taking that information in, you're like, well, I guess it's not actually worth eleven thousand if they're willing to discount it. Like, how much farther would they go? Would you take four? <laughs> right. well,
0: obviously, I've been around the block a few times. Right.
1: <laughs> right. So, yeah.
0: Einstein, yes, you read me so easily. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. And you know, I I had um I worked for someone, I was in the renewable energy business and I work for someone who would constantly do that. He thought his only mechanism in the sale to negotiate was price. And so we don't want to do that. So I hope that answers your question, Cindy. I, I think that um, really getting clear about your intention, about why you're there in the first place. And I know this can be a little bit woo-woo, but it does matter. Getting clear about your intention and then starting to surface, what are your hang-ups about money? And what do you find so challenging about talking about money? It's kind of the next thing.
2: Yeah, it's it's also recognizing that you have these issues that you are projecting without even knowing about it too. That you know, sometimes it's just being having the awareness or just thinking about it that can can bring it uh, bring it to light. But I think mindset is just is just so important in terms of the way you frame things of what you are actually doing and. And ultimately you are helping somebody else make their life better, is ultimately what you're trying to do. So, you know, what is the reservation in doing that is is kind of, you know, one way of looking at it. Yep. Jonathan?
0: Yeah, we're going to go for our break, folks. We'll be back to have this great discussion with Litsden. I think we're slaying some real dragons here. We'll be back in a few
1: moments. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're
0: coming back, folks. Um, I've loved this conversation so far. It's been like therapy, really, for me and Cindy. Here we go. So calm, listen. Um, So listen, um, I kind of threw in this 11,000 curveball, but let's get back to this initial consultation. Is there a framework that you've found that, that you have used yourself and used with clients that is a kind of starter about how to approach these consultation calls and get better results, basically?
1: Yeah, so the consultation call, the primary objective for me, um, and especially if if you're trying, if your product is, or whatever you're selling is cheap enough where you think you can do it in one call. So typically that's like $2,000 or less, I would say. You could probably do it in a single call. If that's the case, Your goal is to understand what's going on with the other person. And I say PGV, pain goals value, right? So what's going on right now with them that's making them consider making a change? Because if they're not feeling the pain, we have a problem in our sale. Um, What is their goal in solving that problem? So the goal would basically be the opposite of the problem. So Jonathan, if someone came to you and said, you know, um, the reason I'm looking at WP Tonic is I need, you know, less churn on my membership site. Then obviously the goal is I double the length of time that people stick around in my membership, something like that, right? And then the value would be translating that goal into ideally dollars and cents or also a motion, right? So if they doubled the length of time people stay on, maybe that's worth, I don't know, hundreds of dollars per user, let's say tens of thousands of dollars or maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars to them. Um, But they also get to not worry so much about their marketing dollars that they're spending on Facebook to attract new, new people to sign up for the membership in the first place. Right. And there's value in that too. So that's what we're looking for is the pain, the goals and the value from everybody. And only then will it be a natural conclusion. Hey, if I can help you with that stuff, you should buy this thing. Here's how it will solve those problems for you, right? Because if you ask good questions and, dare I say, shut up and listen, don't talk about yourself, that's a big temptation, just shut up and listen to what the other person is saying, they'll teach you how they want to buy. And so if you just listen to them, talk about what's going on, in the end, you'll have all the information you need in order to sell them.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting because um, on my own business model, um, the few sell a quite a few calls recently, and I've come to the conclusion that I am going to have to change my business model a little bit because I made a certain conclusion about who my target audience is, but um, my recent successful. Um, engagement of clients have been from a totally different mindset and what they were really looking for. It's mm-hmm. quite interesting that you make these assumptions, but the market shows you that you need to go a different direction, don't, doesn't it?
1: Totally right. And, you know, because you were showing up to those calls and listening, you were able to come to that conclusion. So, uh, you know, I'm a big advocate that there's a fair amount of market research that can happen on these calls as well. Right, people will tell you, "Oh no, <laughs> I don't actually want that." And you could say, "Why? Well, what would you want instead? What would be a better fit?" And they'll tell you what to make. Right. So if you have enough of those calls, you start to really understand. Now, here's another question I get often, and you can tell me if I'm jumping ahead. But um, one question I often get is, "Well, shouldn't I just like do all the pre-qualification by sending people through forms and click this and click that?" Um, and what I would say is the more expensive your thing is, the more willing I would be to get on these calls, right? Especially at the $5,000 plus price point. Um, and the other thing is if you don't have so many leads that you can't um, talk to all of them, uh, then I think you should be talking to everybody, right? So let me frame that in the positive. I realized that was a double negative. If, if you only have, uh, if you have less leads, Um, then would take up your full-time availability for your selling. Talk to everybody, right? Only once you have too many leads would I start to pre-qualify people. So, yeah, just to recap, my advice on these calls, really spend, say, the first half or more listening. Pain goals value is what we're trying to figure out. And then if there's a fit, you would make an offer and talk about the investment and prompt the client for a decision. That's great, Cindy.
2: yeah so well, number one, I think like it's so important the whole questioning part of of the sales process is just listening to understand what it is that they're looking for and how what you offer fits those needs so it, because I've been on a number of sales calls where I've listened, and it's always been them talking at me, not listening to what my needs are, and right. just sometimes just simple, simple questions can can send it in a certain direction if they just take the time to stop it. So I think that is such a huge element with the sales processes. You need to ask many more questions than you probably are.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but I want to kind of now go to the, 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 the last part of the sales call where, where you just said something about prompting for a decision. How do you have some advice around, you know, this is kind of where people kind of clam up. So do you have some advice around how to transition right. to this or or questions you ask or, or what, do you, uh, what advice do you have around prompting for a decision?
1: Yeah, so typically I think what most people do is go, okay, well, let me know what you think, right? And then that's it. And you're like, okay, what happens next? I don't know. Right. So one tool you can use upfront at the very beginning of the call is to set an agenda. You can say, hey, what I'd like to do is cover What's going on with you now? What some of your goals are? I can walk you through how my solution works. And then by the end of the call, um, I'd like you to make a decision, yes or no. Do you agree? And if they say yes, now there's a psychological thing called consistency. They want to be consistent with what they already agreed to. So it's kind of like a little contract. Then at the end of the call, um, what I would say is after I make my presentation, and you can kind of get a sense, like do they have a lot of objections? Are they resistant? Are they very open? Are they excited? Right, excitement obviously being the the most powerful emotion for us as the seller and for the buyer. Um, but I would always close that by saying, um, "So what do you think?" Right, something like that, where it's very open ended. But they know essentially. I'm referring back to this part where I said we were going to make a decision, and in that moment, they may say. They may surface some more objections. Well, I don't know about the timing or I have to talk to my spouse. That's a common one, especially for B2C sales, right? So consumer-oriented things where they're not paying out of a business account. Um, And so you can address those right then, which that would be the proper thing to do is is rather than saying like, okay, well, go think about it. You actually now have a discussion about it. And what a lot of people are going to say is, I need more time, right? I need some time. Now, if you're selling really expensive things, um, again, (laughs) people are going to have to go talk to other people within their business, right? So, it's not, you can't really force them to make a decision on the spot because if you do, it's going to be no, right? They're going to be like, whoa, buddy, calm down, right? Back off. Um, So, I would always close that by just saying, okay, when do you think you would have that decision? Or when can you go have that conversation? And usually people will be like, Tuesday. Okay, great. If I don't hear from you first, you'll hear from me. Right? So, but if you can close in those first calls, yeah, what I would say is, what do you think? And and then if they say, you know, it's great except for this address the objection, and then ask them again, right? Now we're we're going sort of back to the decision. We want a decision. We don't want to live in maybe because maybe is purgatory. And it's not good for the other person either. The truth is on lower cost items, they're like adding another week probably isn't going to do anything for them unless there's a legitimate reason, right? Cash flow is low right now. Um you know, whatever it is, but if they're just like, I need some time to think it over. Um, you know, you, uh, I would say, well, you know, what is that going to do for you?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it, it's the the offer where people get so uncomfortable, and then if objections come up, I, I think your advice around just even finding out a little bit more about where the what the root of the objection actually is, as opposed to making assumptions. You know, it's, if it's, they need more time or how much time do you need? Or is there anything more that I can help you with kind of really figuring out whether it's, they're not interested or if they, it truly do just need more time.
1: I think Jonathan wants to chime in.
0: Uh, I understand where you're coming from. I don't know if listening can agree with you, but finding out what the real objection is, is an art in itself, isn't it? It is,
1: but it's everything, right? It is, but yeah, um, a lot
0: of people don't... don't Hopefully you might have some insight. Um, I find it... uh, I've got one person... um, and he's interesting, and I, and I like him, and I think he likes me. And we've got this proposal, and it, um, he paid for some consultation. And um, he's got this con- We gave him the proposal and the contract, and it's just hanging out there. And um, he, um, my proposal system tells me when people open it. Yeah, sure. And he's opened it multiple times and I've said, you know, I've left it for a week and then I've given him a quick text message and he says I'm busy, but then he reopens it. And this has continued for over three weeks.
1: He keeps yeah. opening it.
0: And but nothing happens.
1: Right. So in those cases, so it sounds like you had a situation where it may have merited another call. So that that's probably the best thing to do, right? So if he's not sure and you're going to send the proposal, which I'd always recommend um, presenting live, you can walk through it and then you can see their reaction. If they're like, I don't know, (laughs) then you want to handle that. Um, But, you know, you, if I were you, this is a common situation. What happens when I get ghosted, right? People are just sort of blowing me off. And so one thing you can do is just ask him like, you know, would you like to jump on a call next week or the week after and sort of force, you know, know, the intention of that call would be to really get a yes or a no, right? Um, So yeah, that's a tough one. Now I, I am wondering, you said getting to the true objection is an art in itself. Was there an objection that you heard that you thought wasn't the true objection, but you weren't able to get the real one?
0: I don't know in this particular case I don't know what it what the real objection um what well in a way he, he gave like people give contradictory messages don't they we're all yeah. we're all kind of contradictory animals aren't we because um, he he um he said price you know he was looking for value but he wanted a quality partner but then then he sent uh, a, and then i we had an initial discussion and then he sent a very detailed specification document to me. And a lot of that was in there was outside the boundaries of our initial discussion. So I sent him, I sent him a, a a very huge proposition um to him. Um so probably that was the problem. We at that stage we needed to have another yeah. discussion. I tried to have that, but he said he was extremely busy with um some personal and business matters.
1: Okay, uh, so yeah. All right. So let let's take the situation, right? So obviously that's a blow-off, right? So when you got that detailed message where you're like, I'm translating for you, you didn't say this, but you're like, what the hell is this? We didn't discuss this, right? <laughs> then I would say, hey, I have some questions about what you emailed. Thanks so much for putting so much thought into it. Um, when can we talk, Yeah, right? And really get on the phone. And if he's telling you things like, I'm too busy to have a call, usually I would return that and just say, hey, no worries. When do you think you'll be less busy? And if he blows you off again, I would say, no worries. Let's just talk when this is a priority again. Yeah, yeah I think he are take you spot on there.
0: Yeah. Right, well, I think we're gonna finish the podcast part of the show. I've just loved this, folks, so hopefully you have as well, Cindy. Uh um Listons um, um agreed to stay on, which you'll be able to see on the WP Tonic website and on the WP Tonic YouTube channel, the whole interview with this bonus content. We're gonna wrap up the podcast. Listen, how can people find out more about you and your wise words?
1: Just, well, they can be the judge if they're wise or not. All you have to do is go to www.liston.io. I I have a bunch of free stuff there. Um, I also have a podcast. If you like listening to podcasts, it's called Modern Sales. um, And I publish every week there. That's great. Cindy, how can people
0: find out more about you and what you're up to?
2: Yeah, if you're looking to develop a course, uh, you can find out more about how to Excuse me, put that together with my website at thecoursewhisperer.com.
0: And folks, we're doing, me and Cindy are doing a webinar on the 28th of February. It's a Thursday. It's coming up soon, folks. And we're going to be talking about the seven things you need to get right for your first course. It's going to be a great discussion. We've got some great Phoebes that we'll be handing out as well, but the general advice is going to be worth a ton as well. Um, if that's of interest to you, um, you can sign up for the webinar um, and you just go to the WP Tonic website, WP Tonic Backstrike webinar, and you'll be able to register. And then you'll be sent some emails telling you when that we're coming up. It's on the 28th. It's going to be at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. There's links on the po- all over the website to it as well. Um, hopefully we see you at that webinar it's going to be a fun um, live engagement and you've got any questions you would be able to ask me and Cindy what more could you ask for we'll be back next week with another great guest when we'll be hopefully making you build that first course or when you, if you've got some courses make it more successful for you and your family we'll see you next week folks bye